Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. So welcome to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chairman of colorectal surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. And today we're going to talk a little bit about a technical aspect in a disease process, and that's laparoscopic liver resection. And I'm absolutely thrilled to have Dr. David Kwan, who's the director of laparoscopic liver surgery within the Department of uh, Surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic. David, welcome to Butts and Guts. Um, Hi, Scott. Nice to meet you. So we always like to start out with all of our guests, Mm -hmm. talking a little bit about where are you from, where were you born, where did you train, and how did it come to the point that you're here at the Cleveland Clinic? Okay, well, uh, I have a relatively very different background. Uh, I had most of my education uh, back in South Korea, and I developed my career back in South Korea because Korea is a region where we have a lot of liver diseases, so I was exposed to a lot of liver diseases there, and that's where I could develop a lot of my career. And there I was, I was exposed to a lot of liver sections and also a lot of living donor liver transplant, and that's how I was... Uh, that is my training background. I was interested in laparoscopic approach since uh, 2005, and uh, it came up to my mind that this is something that is beneficial to the patients and should be carried on to the next level. And back at those times, laparoscopic liver resection was something like very bloody. We didn't know how to control the bleeding. Uh, We used to have a lot of issues, but it was apparent that once the surgery was done clearly well, then the patients benefited a lot. And I was able to integrate laparoscopic surgery along with living donor liver transplant. So I developed a program of laparoscopic approach to offer to living donor liver transplant uh, donors uh, of the livers. And uh, Cleveland Clinic wanted me to, to have that established here. So that's how I came to be here. So currently I'm trying to establish a more extensive, advanced laparoscopic liver resection program as well as a laparoscopic living donor uh, program. Well, we're sure excited to have you here. And uh, today, again, as we said, we're going to talk a little bit about a laparoscopic liver resection and a little bit about the uh, living donor uh, program. But before we dive in, let's just talk about a little bit about the liver for the listeners out there that haven't uh, had the knowledge of that. So what, what's the liver? What's its primary function? Where does it sit? Well, the liver is the single largest organ within our body. It's around two kilograms. Uh, in weight, which is around four or five pounds. And uh, it's so like considered like the factory. So everything you eat is passes first through the liver. It detoxifies, it makes proteins into amino acids. It, uh, you know, it makes all the building blocks that is necessary for your energy, for your bodybuilding. Uh, and so it is fundamental to your sustaining your uh, healthy metabolism within your body. So what cases or disease process would a liver resection be required? Where do you come in? Well, in the U.S., most uh, frequently, liver resection of all is carried out in patients with colorectal liver cancers with liver metastasis. That is probably the highest uh, incidences. And the second largest is the primary liver tumor, so called the liver cancer. So those two would be the, the reason why usually the, the liver resection is, uh, is done. So what type of tests are useful that you go into to determining uh, how much of the liver is involved and is it something that is amenable to a surgery on the liver? How do you figure that all out? Uh, well, because liver is, as I said, the fundam- one of the fundamental organs to sustain life, we cannot take too much of the liver out. 
Uh, so uh, generally, we evaluate how much liver functions reserve you have before we, we consider any resection. And uh, secondly, the extent of resection that we have to carry out. And the extent is usually decided through a CT or an MRI. So we can see where the location of the tumor is and along with the proximity with the large vessels around, how much liver can we save and how much we should take out. So that, in addition to how much liver reserve you have, is what determines whether you will be fit for liver resection or will have to have other choices on the table. I'm a colorectal surgeon and I have patients all the time that may come and they may present with a metastasis to the liver. How do you make that determination whether that is a role of surgery in their care versus somebody who you're like, you know what, you got disease that is not surgically amenable? Well, surgery offers the best survival rate. So surgery always comes, if it's operable, we do surgery. And if it's not operable, we don't do surgery and we take the other measures. So we put the surgery in the first on um, the, the treatment options. And whether this is amenable or not is depends on the size of the tumor you have, uh, where it's located, how many you have. Uh, and as I said, with the numbers and the size and the location, uh, looking at the CT or an MRI, we generally can tell how much liver can we leave behind while taking out all the tumor necessary. So if we think we can take all the tumor out and uh, they'll, you'll have enough liver function reserved, then we go for surgery. Whereas we think uh, if the tumor is too big or there are too many and there's, it's not possible to resect all the tumors, then we go for chemotherapy or radiation first and before going to surgery. So for patients that have other underlying diseases that may affect the liver, such as a cirrhotic, how does that weigh into your thought process and disease management in terms of how surgically you can approach these patients or not approach these patients? Uh, well, patients with colorectal liver metastasis usually don't have background liver cirrhosis because the disease itself doesn't come from the liver, but from the colon or the rectum that is, and the tumor is metastasized to the, to the liver. However, the second uh, most common incidence, which is the liver tumor, uh, often have a background of hepatitis C or hepatitis B or NASH, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. And in that case, you have background cirrhosis. And if you have background cirrhosis by lab test that we do before surgery, we usually can tell uh, how much reserve of the liver you will have after the operation. So uh, as said, verify how much liver function you have and how much liver we have to take is, uh, is what determines whether you'll go for surgery or not. So before we jump into the technical aspects of a liver resection, mm -hmm. Let's say I'm a patient out there listening to this podcast and I was just told by my primary care doc or even a surgeon that says, you got to go visit a liver surgeon. What can they expect during that encounter in the outpatient clinic? The liver is a very specific field in which there are many ways to, to approach cases seen as inoperable by other surgeons could be actually be thought to be operable by a liver specialist. So I think uh, that is something that you have into consideration when you uh, visit the office of any liver specialist surgeon. So when a patient comes into your office, do you review CAT scans with them or do, are they to get a sensitive examination or what's that type of visit? Because I can assure you that there's some trepidation or even fear with going to a liver surgeon. And so what, what is that office visit like? We usually evaluate first, as I said, the liver function. 
we draw blood there and we, we, we look at the CAT scan. And we often nowadays, because the MRI is a little bit more specific than CAT scan, we often, if we think we'll have to resect, we do an MRI before we start designing the whole process of operation. So usually the MRI will be one additional test that you may have uh, when you visit the clinic. What is a laparoscopic liver resection? How is it performed? And is, uh, is it different than a robotic liver resection or open? Uh, what is this all about? Laparoscopic uh, and robotic are similar in the sense that they are both minimally invasive, which means that you're not opening the whole abdomen, being putting a huge laparotomy to get access to the organs that you need to operate on, but rather putting little holes in the, in the abdomen and operating with like long forceps, long sticks. So by nature, because you put three or four half-inch size uh, incisions and you do the whole operation with that. So uh, because of that minimally invasive nature, uh, the patients usually recover a lot faster. You experience a lot less pain. However, the operation itself, like uh, let's say we resect the left side of the liver. If you plan to resect the left side of the liver laparoscopically or either open, Resection of the liver itself is the same, but it's just that you're not putting a big laparotomy, uh, but you're doing the whole process through the small holes on your, on your abdomen. Do you have to make an incision to get a part of the, whatever you resected out? Well, it depends. If you're resecting a huge tumor out, we usually put um, an incision called the fan and steel incision, which is uh, the incisions that the woman usually get when you have a C-sac. And the size of the incision is usually around 10 centimeter, around uh, 3 inch, which is, you know, about, I would say, one-third to one-fourth of the normal incisions that we put uh, when we need the same kind of operation. But when the tumor size is small and we only take a small part of the liver out, usually we extend uh, one of the holes that we used um, to put the trocars in to do the operation and take it out through there. So actually you end up having very small scars, and that's it. You don't, go, you don't have any big laparotomy scars. So you mentioned that the liver is an organ that sees a lot of the blood flow. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine that there's some potential risks associated with a laparoscopic liver resection. How safe is it, and what are some of those potential risks? Uh, well, among every field in laparoscopic, liver resection has been one of the last fields being explored. The main reason is because it's technically very, very difficult. And secondly, it's because it is associated with a lot of bleeding if done improperly. And the bleeding control sometimes can be quite difficult if not done properly. And that's why it took a long time for surgeons to adapt this new technique. However, if you look at the recent data, there has been a tremendous improvement in the techniques and the approach that actually a lot of recent data suggests that actually you have less bleeding doing laparoscopically and uh, the overall complication rate is lower when you do it laparoscopically rather than you when you do it open. So I think we are entering now in a new era of uh, liver surgery in which we can afford the patients with a lot less complication, much faster recovery than we used to, say, 10 years ago. What is the recovery like from a laparoscopic liver resection? Compared to open, usually, if you look at the data, they use about maybe one-third of the pain control that they usually need for a conventional laparotomy. And the return to normal life is usually uh, shortened down to 50%. 
So let's say if you do a, a conventional open liver resection, uh, your patients usually take around three months to go uh, back to work and not be too stressed working. Whereas you know, when you use a laparoscopic approach, it usually takes one to maximum two months to go back to work and be okay while working. So when a patient wakes up from a laparoscopic liver resection, do they got a tube in their nose? They got a drain in their belly? Is it any of that stuff? Drain in the belly uh, depends on the extent of liver resection being done. So if you get a small wedge resection, we usually don't put drains. But if you get a major epitectomy, major liver resection, then we put the drain because you can have some complications related with uh, liver resection. So that's for safety reasons. Uh, other than that, tubes, usually we leave it there for two or three days and take it out. Tubes in the nose and all of that, that's um, old generation style uh, operation. We usually, if we need a tube, we usually take it out in the, during the recovery room or in the OR before we wake you up. It's a lot easier to, to recover. David, one of the other things that you spoke about was the living donor for the liver. Can you talk a little bit about that program and who's it for? Uh, how, how would you get involved if you're interested in it? How do you guys go about that program? How safe is it? Just some of the generalizations there. Okay, uh, living donor for living donor liver transplant, then you need living donor. And usually living donors, you take about 60% to 40% of your liver out and you donate it to the recipient. The good thing about the liver is that it re regenerates. So it's like if you start with 100% of liver, you split into two, you give the 60% to the recipient. Actually in about a year, your 40% that you have grows back to 100. And the 60 that was given to the recipient grows to 100. So you divide the 100 into two and it becomes 200. So that's the beauty of living donor liver transplant. Now, the laparoscopic approach, after I started the program, it was uh, very clear and evident that it's very good for the patient. The patients love it. Uh, and so one of the things, because I, I used to do a lot of donor surgery also, one of the things was that usually donors are, they're very altruistic. You know, they want to save someone's life and they, they want to sacrifice themselves to do all of that. So it always was in my mind that I should do afford the donors one of the best recovery options that is available uh, surgically. Uh, but the main thing with living donor is that you cannot have any accidents on donors because there were patients who were healthy before. So the number one principle in living donor liver transplant is that we have to have the donor back healthy and safe and back to work and whatever he used to do or she used to do uh, is number one principle in living donor liver transplant. And because laparoscopic itself is more technically challenging than open surgery and it was perceived to be more dangerous before, uh, a lot of uh, surgeons used to be very skeptical that laparoscopic approach could be performed on donors because there has been donor death after operation being reported and we used to have a perception that it's more dangerous, it's not good for donors. Uh, however, I learned through my course uh, of uh, laparoscopic liver resections that a lot of the things uh, previously thought to be very dangerous, you actually can do it very safely laparoscopically. And when I realized that is then when I started my laparoscopic donor program back in South Korea. And that program now is uh, the largest program in the world but throughout that experience, I learned that 
by affording a laparoscopic approach to donors, actually the donors uh, recover a lot faster. The cosmetics that, uh, that you have after the operation is a lot better. They are so much more satisfied and they end up still saving someone's life after all that big operation. So what's on the horizon for the future of laparoscopic liver resection surgery? It used to be that the laparoscopic liver resection used to be for small lesions, uh, very easy to take for wedges. So if you look at the U.S. data, it's um, out of 100 liver resections performed every year, barely 10%, barely 10 cases are done laparoscopically, and the remaining 90% are done by open method. Uh, however, that can ex be expanded a lot. And I think surgeries like a right hepatectomy, which is like a very large operation that uh, a lot of surgeons have a hard time to do and used to be thought as very, very difficult and dangerous laparoscopically. Nowadays, we are able to do it relatively safe uh, in a relatively uh, short operative time. And I think this horizon will expand even more. Um, the right hepatectomy can become right extended central, you know, a lot of different uh, difficult operations that once was perceived that it's too difficult to do it laparoscopically. Now I think we can perform it laparoscopically. So we have a lot more choice of having the laparoscopic approach and diseases once that we thought would only have the open option. Well, that's fantastic. And we're sure glad to have you here at the Cleveland Clinic. So we'd like to end up all of our guests with a little bit more about you and go over a couple of quick hitters. So what's your favorite meal? My favorite meal is uh, bibimbap. It's a Korean dish. It's a mixture of rice and uh, a lot of fresh vegetables uh, and some meat. And it's uh, very healthy and it's also very yummy. What's your favorite sport? My favorite sport, um, I used to like tennis. I used to like a lot of uh, sports. But nowadays, I guess it's bicycling. And I think Cleveland is a very nice place to, to bike. What's the last non-medical book that you've read? The last non-medical book that I've read, it's uh, Switch. It's, uh, it's a book by Chip and Dan Heath, and I'm an avid fan of them. They, they have very nice books that they write. It's about changing the culture of an organization, or it can be a, of a person. And there are little steps, there are little... Uh, important steps that you need to have there in order to have the change. And if anyone is interested in changing their organization's culture or uh, their habits, I, so it's a book that I would recommend to everyone. And then also considering your background and your relative newness to Cleveland, what's one thing that you like here about living in Cleveland? Cleveland, it's not too busy. It's not like New York or LA, but you still have the city vibe. You still have very nice restaurants. You still have a fantastic orchestra. You still have rock and roll, uh, and uh, but still you don't have the traffic. So that's <laughs> that's what I love most about Cleveland. Well, that's fantastic. So to learn more, please visit clevelandclinic.org/liver. That's clevelandclinic.org/liver, and to schedule an appointment with a Cleveland Clinic liver specialist, please call two one six four four four. 7,000. That's 216-444-7000. David, thanks for joining us on Butts and Guts. Thanks so much. That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts.